It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The end of the new Washington Commanders ownership group search should be over soon, and that light at the end of the tunnel is looking glorious. That story and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome, Commanders fans, to the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders. Please subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts so you always get the latest episodes when they drop. I'm David Harrison, credential member of the media, covering your Washington Commanders for Commander Country, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. You can find me there, here, or on Twitter at dharrison82 or text me anytime at 202 760 Four, four. Thanks for making the Locked On Commanders podcast your first view or your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. What is Ron Rivera finally getting to do in what might be his last year at the helm? We're going to discuss that answer, and we're going to dive into some of the new rule changes coming up in this season. But first, we have reports of two bids officially submitted to buy the Washington Commanders from Dan Snyder, and the end is feeling like it's a little bit closer. League meetings are going on right now this week in Phoenix, Arizona, and the hope all offseason long has been that this would be the week that the NFL owners would be able to vote on a new ownership group to take over the Washington Commanders. Unfortunately, that obviously has not happened, but this week has not been devoid of ownership news. Adam Schefter reporting on Twitter on Tuesday that the Josh Harris Mitchell Rails Group, which also includes Magic Johnson, has officially submitted their $6 billion proposal to Dan Snyder. $6 billion is the asking price for the franchise. And the the key part here, I think, to this report is that the Josh Harris Mitchell Rails proposal is fully financed. That means that the cash has already been secured. All the funds that they need to make this thing work have essentially been confirmed i don't know who's confirmed them or how they've confirmed them uh per se but nonetheless they have been confirmed because that's obviously a a big sticking point so it's one thing to say hey i'll pay you this much it's another to actually have the money to be able to do so also reported by espn's adam schefter uh, via twitter quotes canadian billionaire steve apostolopoulos which i'm pretty sure that's how you say that also has submitted a fully funded six billion dollar offer for the commanders with two groups known to have submitted bids There's a growing belief a purchase agreement could be in place by the NFL draft, end quote. Now, previously, I had heard, seen that Apostolopoulos had submitted a bid, but Schefter's tweet was really the first time that I had seen that it was also confirmed to be fully funded. Again, not sure how that's been confirmed, but one way or another, it's been confirmed that is a fully funded bid, which is great because that means essentially cash in hand. I think 30%, if I remember correctly, is the amount that the ownership group has to pay up front, like boom, right away, uh, cut that check as soon as the deal goes through. And then obviously the rest of the purchase price has to go through uh, as well. So a lot of things, things coming out uh, pertaining to the ownership group there also coming out this week. There are comments from 
Ron Rivera and, pre- and team president Jason Wright. And what I think has been interesting this week is when you see Ron Rivera and Jason Wright talking to people, uh, a lot of the commanders beat reporters are there. Michael Phillips, Matt Paris, people talking to the, the Washington commanders leadership group is the tone of the comments that are being made, right? Like, so throughout the season, you know, there, there's a lot of questions about ownership stuff and about Dan Snyder, Tanya Snyder, specifically to Jason Wright and to Ron Rivera. And for the most part, they take the company line. And look, people can, can criticize them all they want for it, but you have to understand, you know, that's kind of just the business that they're that they're in. And really, that's any any major business. You have to kind of toe the company line a little bit. Never fully necessarily through the support behind anybody, but also not fully, you know, throwing anybody under the bus. But this week, the comments are kind of changing. So President of the Washington Commanders, again, Jason Wright, uh, spoke to Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times dispatch and and Phillips quoted him as saying, quote, if you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you're not paying attention. We are very much close to a new phase and era, end quote. I mean, that that specifically says there's a, a page that's about to turn in Washington Commander's history. Then via Matt Paris of the Washington Times, right, said, quote, when there's an ownership change, we'll be able to absorb the momentum of that. When end quote, when there's an ownership change, right? So the ownership change is coming and some, and I get the trepidation, right? But some commanders fans, and you may not be one of them, right? But some commanders fans are kind of in, I'll believe it when I see it kind of mode. And, and again, I don't blame you for being in that mode if you are, but Jason Wright is telling you that this is coming. Um, if that wasn't enough, Nikki Javala tweeted, I believe it was Wednesday. She tweeted me quote, is the sale going to happen? And quote, commanders, president, Jason Wright quote, I don't see why it wouldn't. I'm so confused by the skepticism. It is a potential transaction until it's a transaction. But yeah, end quote. So the sale is coming. The sale is going to happen. We wanted it to be happening this week. I wanted it to be happening this week. You wanted it to be happening this week, but it's not happening this week, but it is still going to happen. When could it happen? Well, Schefter speculated one of his tweets potentially before the NFL draft. I agree with that timeline. I think before the NFL draft now, just because the sale is agreed to before the NFL draft, doesn't necessarily mean it would be official, official, right? It's like buying a house. You put in a bid, the bid gets accepted. There's still some other legal hurdles you have to go through before the house is really officially yours. NFL owners, part of that, part of those hurdles, NFL owners have to have a vote and 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 approve uh, that new ownership group to take over the organization. Uh, that could be a special vote. They, the owners could get together and do a special vote, or it might have to wait until the league's spring meeting in May, which is May 22nd to the 24th. And I feel like that's probably most likely uh, what would happen? I mean, the NFL draft is going to move forward the way that it is, you know, already. And and again, you know, unless Dan Snyder decides to come off his yacht, make another pick, it's pretty much going to run the way that Martin uh, Mayhew, Ron Rivera, and all those guys run run their their processes. So really, not a lot is going to change. Whether it gets you know approved by the NFL owners before the NFL draft, or it has to wait till the end of May to be officially official, it looks like the Dan Snyder era is uh, coming to a close. Keep the corks in the champagne bottles. Keep the streamers, you know, un, uh, uh, furled. I don't know if that's the opposite of unfurled. Uh, don't put up the decorations just yet, but it does look like the light at the end of the tunnel is getting nearer. It's getting brighter. So there's good news on the horizon. As we wait more new ownership news, we also have a new season to get ready for, as do the Washington Commanders. And that new season is going to have some new rules. We're going to dive into the most important ones next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and we're going to do so thanks to our friends over at FanDuel the NCAA basketball tournaments are heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 that's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets 
if your first bet doesn't pan out. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team is going to be cutting down the nets at the end of the whole stinking thing. All on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first view or your first listen every single day. Some rule changes have been approved and the least important to the actual game, yet most important to some people, is the fact that NFL players can now wear the number zero. At least some NFL players can wear the number zero. That is just one of the rule changes. The NFL now permitting the use of zero as a jersey numeral. That's how it's written in the rule uh, to allow kickers. Or they're also going to sorry allow kickers and punters to use any jer- jersey numeral between zero and forty nine and ninety to ninety nine. I don't ever want to see a kicker or punter wearing ninety to ninety nine again. Not an important part of the game, right? But important to us as as fans. To me as a fan, maybe you're one of the fans that doesn't care. But uh, if you play fantasy football, you definitely care because you want to know uh, what number your guy on your roster is wearing so you can track him on the field if you're watching the game. Uh, T. Higgins going from 85 to 5 for the Cincinnati Bengals. I saw some social media reactions to that change that uh, you know people who bought that jersey are not happy. Um, didn't Fanatics, I think Fanatics has, don't they have like a jersey swap program? If, if you know about it, let me know. I don't buy jerseys, but if you if you have a jersey out there, if, if you're familiar, I wanted to say that they had a jersey swap program. So like people who had the T Higgins 85 could, I don't know, return it and maybe get a discount on a, on a new number five or get a new number five. That would be great. Um, I don't know if you know about that, let me know. But another, another rule change that is much more important and going to impact the, uh, the game as we watch it moving forward is the changing of the definition of the word launch uh, now in order to be launching as a defender, most likely into a defenseless receiver, you have to leave one or both of your feet. So we've seen, some personal foul penalties called on hitting a defenseless receiver uh, in the past. And basically the, the justification for the rule was that the defender was considered, considered to be launching when in reality, they basically, you know, flexing the knees, moving forward, you call it launching upward, um, but not leaving the ground in the hit. And a lot of times that defender is almost defending themselves because the receiver is almost landing right on top of them. And their options are, sit back and absorb the entire brunt of the force or do something to kind of fight back and potentially uh, avoid some of the, the the brunt of that contact being all on you. So what are you going to do in that situation? You're going to hit back. You're not just going to sit there and take it from the offensive players flying through the air uh, trying to make the play. So now in order to be considered launching, you have to leave one or both of your feet. Um, we'll see how that's enforced and how accurately that is enforced. Um, but that is one of the rule changes. Also another rule change 
Uh, instead of tripping being kind of a common foul, now it is considered a personal foul. So if you call for tripping, usually, again, it's a defensive player being flagged for the penalty. That will now become a personal foul, 15-yard penalty, automatic first down to uh, the, the offensive team. Another rule change for this season, they've clarified, the NFL has, they've clarified the use of helmet rule against any opponent by removing the words butt, ram, and spear language from that article in the rule book, and they've incorporated those actions into impermissible use of the helmet. So, uh, again, just kind of talking about different ways of helmet-to-helmet contact. And from my understanding, uh, it, the, the accidental or incidental grazing, like if your face mask hits somebody in the head or if, you know, uh, it's a it's a relatively clean hit, but the instant like the additional movement causes helmet to helmet incidental contact. That's be, that's supposed to be something that's now uh, kind of kind of uh, taken into context, right? Context is important in a lot of things. Again, we'll have to see how the NFL actually enforces it. We've all seen the hits, right? Where someone it's a clean hit, shoulder first, all those things, and then the ensuing motion of of the player getting hit or the player doing the hitting leads to helmet to helmet contact um and then that player gets flagged and 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 everybody gets upset and it and gets angry because what are you supposed to do it's tackle football you might as well put flags on them right all the comments so again it sounds like the nfl is taking some steps to kind of understand the context of incidental contact and you know when a face mask kind of like bumps into the head versus a hit in the head uh those types of things we'll see how the actual application of the rule change is put into place but uh, that could be something that is fairly significant. Um, there have been some review and, and, and replay changes as well made in, in this coming season. So that could also help in this process. But again, we'll have to see how the actual application of those changes is put into play versus just the verbiage of uh, what they're going to say. So another one uh, that I thought was kind of interesting is another rule change for the coming season is that teams are going to have to provide greater clarity as to a player's availability for a game. Now, I'm not really sure. If I remember correctly, that was presented by the Los Angeles Chargers. That got approved and, and made a new rule. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to mean. I don't know if we're getting an additional category, right? Currently for game statuses, you have out, doubtful, and questionable. Um, and then you have no status, right? So out, questionable, out, doubt, out doubtful, and questionable uh, are the three real game statuses that you have currently. I don't know if they're adding another one. I don't know if they're going to make, you know, I, I don't know if there's going to be like a, a greater deadline. Uh, you know, right now, if you're doubtful or questionable, uh, about an hour and a half before kickoff is when teams have to declare whether or not you're going to be active or inactive. So maybe that's going to be part of that clarity. Uh, all I know is right now, greater clarity as to the player's availability for the game is the way that it's worded. I like that. I think that's good. And, and honestly, if you're a fantasy person, if you're on FanDuel, you're going to appreciate that as well. You're going to have fewer questions uh, going into game day about some of these players. Again, we'll see what the application is, but the sound of the new rule uh, to provide better clarity as far as the availability of players for certain games certainly uh, sounds sounds great. The last rule change, not really a rule change, but kind of a policy change, I think they call it a bylaw in the National Football League, uh, is one that's not so good, one that I'm definitely not happy about. It's the addition of a possible second Thursday night game for NFL teams. Now, it's important to understand with this rule, this isn't that every NFL team will play a second Thursday night game. That's not what the NFL is saying. What they're saying is, Every NFL team now is eligible for a second Thursday night game. They're allowed to play that second Thursday night game. And to me, that's still a problem. I don't like Thursday night games as it is um, because of the short week. And I think I do think it's significant. I do believe that it leads to more injuries and doesn't necessarily even lead to more injuries 
on that day. And I know that we all talk about this pseudo buy uh, that teams get after uh, the Thursday night games, right? They play a Thursday night game Friday morning until the next following Sunday. They don't have another game. So they kind of get this window of time off. You know, that's what we call it the pseudo buy before their next game. And that's great, but it doesn't necessarily like it doesn't the the damage potentially being done to players uh, in that in that span of playing a game on Sunday and then playing a game Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you have to basically rest. And then Thursday, you go out there and you play another game. First of all, you're basically just getting treatment the entire time. You're really not doing a whole lot of strenuous practicing. So your body is literally going for major activity and damage absorption, right? We we've we've heard the 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 references or the comparisons made to playing a football game is like getting into two full blown car accidents. You you get into two full blown car accidents on Sunday. I'll tell you right now, if I get into two full blown car accidents is on a Sunday, I'm not even driving on Thursday, let alone trying to get into two more full blown car accidents on Thursday. But that's basically what we're asking these players. Not basically, that's what we're asking these players to do. And now we're potentially not even asking them to do it once, but we're asking them to do it twice. And and to me, it's completely unfair. There needs to be some sort of, it's not just unfair, it's it's a lack of care for these players as human beings. And I think there needs to be some sort of provision put in here. Hopefully, this isn't the end of the story and there is more. there are more provisions coming or maybe there are provisions being discussed that we're just not hearing about right now at the time of this recording. But something of, you know, you won't, you, you if you play a second Thursday night game, it'll be following a bye. You know what I mean? Like maybe that, I mean, you still lose a little bit of that, you know, bye week advantage, but at least you're talking about having players skip a week of playing football together, then playing that second short week uh, game. And then in some cases, you might also almost look at that as an advantage. You get the bye week, then you play Thursday night, and then you get your pseudo bye before the following game, right? You'll play one game in the span of like 20 days. Uh, at that rate, I, I don't know if that math is completely accurate, but you know, someone out there, if you want to do the math, let me know uh, what it comes up to be. But to me, that's really the only feasible way to make this work is if you're having a team play a second Thursday night game, and that second one needs to be coming out of a bye week, uh, so that you know, for for the for the sake of player safety, um, and you look at the potential overseas games, right? Overseas matchups, and the, the Washington Commanders might be in on that schedule uh, this coming season. Right now, the way the NFL does that, if you play an overseas game, you get the next week as a bye week. So ideally, you play overseas, you get a bye week, you come back from that bye week, you play in Thursday night, and then you get a pseudo bye on the back end of that. Like, okay, that I could see uh, as being a possible feasible plan. Um, you know, we'll see how the NFL, again, all these rule changes, it's all about the application of it, how it impacts the game as we see it. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl winning quarterback, MVP, all that stuff. Uh, has already voiced his displeasure with it. And that's kind of the second layer of this whole thing. Um, we've talked about the NFLPA's actions over the, the offseason, the late part of the regular season. They've been much more vocal, much more, you know, producing a lot more media. They had their own all-pro list and all these other things. And those are all great. But at the end of the day, if you're a union and you can't protect your people from something like this from happening, because the NFLPA has not made a statement that I've seen, I went to the NFLPA website before I recorded this episode. There's no article. There's no statement on the website about it. Like the NFLPA, like you made your own all pro list and, and, you know, they, they pounded their chest and said, you know, we're, we're sick of people who don't play the game telling us who the best in the game are. We're going to take control of it and, and all that. Like, that's great. But now your guys are, are about to play two Thursday night games in a single season potentially. And you have nothing to say and you have no control over it. Like, there's a problem there. And the next time these guys come to the table 
for a collective bargaining agreement. I hope they remember things like this and do something that actually impacts their ability to protect player safety because the NFL obviously just isn't going to do it. So uh, as unpleasant as playing two Thursday night football games could be, Coach Ron Rivera's time in Washington has been littered with scandals and dramatics. And a lot of times he's not even the one responsible for it, but he says he's finally getting to do something it sounds like he's been wanting to do all along. That's roster building. That's next today on Locked On Commanders. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. Welcome back to today's episode of Locked On Commanders Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Number 14 every day. Ron Rivera speaking to media uh, in Phoenix, Arizona during the league meeting, said a bunch of things. We talked about some of it yesterday. We're talking about more of it today. One of the things that he said since he's been down there is that they're finally getting to team build, roster build, right? And it was kind of weird, and I think it kind of struck a lot of people. I was on AWOD radio with Adam Epstein on Wednesday afternoon, and he mentioned that was something that really stuck out to him. And he kind of asked me what I thought Ron Rivera meant about roster building. Don't you build rosters every single offseason, every single year? And and honestly, I hadn't given it a whole lot of thought up to that point, but I think he brought up a very good question. And when you look back at Ron Rivera's time with the Washington Commanders, I think it's somewhat easy to see. What he's talking about. So his first year here, right? He's got Dwayne Haskins, a young gun quarterback, Alex Smith, uh, the veteran. He's pretty much booked in. Like these are your quarterbacks. We're not, you know, going after uh anybody, anybody else. This is who you have. And not only that, but we're wanting you to come in and be kind of the catalyst to help us win, right? So so you have that whole situation. It didn't work out. The next season, we see the Washington Commanders as an organization go after, you know, at least reportedly go after some possible big name quarterbacks it doesn't work out so you bring in ryan fitzpatrick but again the situation surrounding the team was we've got a potential top five remember like we were talking about top five top ten minimum defenses uh dan orlovsky was on espn calling the washington commanders one of the best four teams in the nfc um all these things and so you really had this sense of like we need to win today we need to open up a super bowl window we need to get in, into the playoffs make the playoffs uh ryan fitzpatrick goes down you know, uh, the Washington Commanders are coming off of a playoff season. But again, if you go into that 2020 playoff run, Ron Rivera even said it in, in going into the playoffs that they're basically playing with house money, right? This was not a team that was specifically built from the top down to be a consistent winner. Yet the expectation was that we were going to go out there and try to be a consistent winner. So Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in, Taylor Heineke ends up actually starting, you know, the entire season minus a quarter. Um, but the end of, you know, they don't, they don't make the playoffs. Then you come into last season, 2022, and again, the mentality is we've got one of the better defenses in the NFL. Let's go get us a game-changing quarterback right here, right now. Boom, rocket us to the top the way the Rams did, the way the Buccaneers did. They miss out on Russell Wilson, which apparently now is looking like a really great miss, and they end up getting Carson Wentz. And at the time, a lot of people said it looked like a desperation move. Ron Rivera insisted time and time again, that was not a desperation move. That was a guy that he wanted. But the bottom line is the perception on the outside was that it was more of a desperation move is, is we got to get our quarterback, Russell Wilson. Well, we didn't get Russell Wilson. So let's go get another guy. 
and we end up getting uh, Carson Wentz here in Washington. And obviously what happens happened. But now this year, that same approach is not being replicated, right? We don't see them going after Aaron Rodgers. They're not going after Lamar Jackson. We talked about those comments yesterday, the, the, why the Washington is not going after Lamar Jackson. Instead, they come in with young Sam Howell on a rookie deal in his second season. He's got one start under his belt. It went pretty well against the division rival. And then you've got Jacoby Brissett, the well-traveled veteran who started here, been a backup there, done some things, smart player, kind of knows how to adapt to his environment. And now you have a low-charge quarterback situation, so you can go out there and re-sign Deron Payne and potentially extend a contract to Montez Sweat, Cameron Curl potentially. And that, I think, is what Ron Rivera is talking about. They're not chasing after getting the franchise quarterback anymore. Do they hope Sam Howell is the next franchise quarterback? Absolutely, they hope that it works out. Are they having to overly invest? There's no first-round pick invested. There's no $25 million-plus-a-year contract invested, right? The Washington Commanders, by and large, are very, very low committed to the quarterback position right now, which means they get to flesh out the rest of the roster. And if the future, if the quarterback of the future is not on the roster today, then they can go out there and try to find that quarterback later. But the roster will have been built. So I think that's where Ron Rivera is coming from. And I think it's a great thing to see happening uh, with Washington. You see some improvements across the offensive line so far and for agency. We'll see what happens with the linebacker position. They brought in a new guy. Unfortunately, lost Cole Holcomb. But I think by and large right now, you're seeing the, the formation of a more improved roster in Washington. Now, the quarterback position is obviously going to be very important. And the play that comes from that position is really ultimately going to, is going to determine just how far this team can go. So I think that's kind of what Ron Rivera was talking about uh, from, from all that. But bottom line is, I mean, you can see it kind of in Ron's words and Jason Wright's words, their, their attitudes, their approaches to some of the questions that they're getting asked. A new day is certainly starting to come, and we got to talk about RG3. He's on the thumbnail. I know some of you probably are wondering why was RG3 on the thumbnail if we didn't talk about him in the ownership segment. Honestly, I know some of y'all don't want to hear about RG3, so I saved his part for the end because I know that that is a thing with some uh, Commanders fans. So RG3 said on the Rich Eisen show, if I remember correctly, that he had been in talks with Josh Harris uh, to be part of the Josh Harris Mitchell Rails group to purchase the Washington Commanders, which now also includes uh, Irvin Magic Johnson. There are also some people who are concerned that if RG3 is part of this ownership group, that RG3 is going to be a very front forward facing part of the ownership group. And I would say this I don't believe that's the situation at all. I don't believe that that's what we're, we're up against here. So Here's the reason why RG three in his career, according to spot track earned $33.2 million, which is a lot of money. But when you look at the fact that this Washington commanders team is about to cost $6 billion, that's a very, very small stake in the franchise. If RG three is chipping in all the money he earned during his time in the national football league. And you know, let's just be real about it. Like RG three is not this like business mobile, right? He hasn't like left the NFL and just become this like real estate monster. He's, you know, working for ESPN doing these things. I'm sure they're paying him a good amount of money, but you look at a guy like magic Johnson, let's compare, let's compare to magic Johnson, right? Magic Johnson, his career in the NBA and granted pay pay scales are much different today than they were in, in magic's day, but in his NBA career, from what I found online, his total earnings contra- contractually, was $39 million. So he made about $6 million more than RG3 did in his career. But Magic Johnson's been retired for a long time. And since Magic Johnson's been retired, he has been a very successful businessman. He has made a lot of money outside of the NBA. 
And even with all that money that he's been making outside the NBA, how successful he's been since he retired, and he's been retired for a lot longer than RG3 has, he was still, I don't say only able, but when he bought in as a minority owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers, he bought in at a 2% stake. That's it, 2% stake. Now, are there pictures of Magic Johnson at the ballpark waving to fans and doing photo? Of course there are, of course there are, of course there are. But Magic Johnson is not out there making all the important decisions for the Los Angeles Dodgers per se. He's a 2% owner. Now, well, and there's some reports that he's invested like $50 million more since then. So maybe he owns more than 2% now, but in the initial investment, he only owned 2% of the franchise. So if we're talking about RG and, and the Dodgers, by the way, sold for $2 billion, we're talking about three times the amount. And we're talking about RG3 who made $6 million less in his career than Magic did and has not had the time to build a business portfolio that Magic has. So at most, at most, I would say RG3 is going to be a 2% owner of the Washington Commanders as part of this group. At most, that does not give him authority. That does not give him the power to sign, trade, do all these other things. I don't expect him to probably, like, he might be at the introductory press conference with, with Josh and Mitchell and Magic. Okay, got it. But listen, if you're concerned about whether or not Robert Griffin III is going to be running the organization, he is not going to be running the organization. If you don't want to see him succeed and get this opportunity, I don't really get that. You know, I don't get that energy. You know, look, I don't know RG3. And sure, you know, I know the stories. and He's done some bad things in his life. But, uh, you know, it, what he's doing to other people, other people are definitely doing worse uh, to each other. So I'm not going to get in the way of, uh, not that I could, but I'm not going to get in the way of RG3 trying to get in on this deal. If I had the money, I would be trying to get in. Uh, on this deal, certainly. And believe me, some of you don't want me running this organization either because there are certain moves that I would be making that would not make some of you happy. We've talked about them on recent episodes of this very show. So those are my thoughts on RG3 potentially being part of the ownership group. I don't think it's a big deal uh, from a control or decision-making standpoint. So if you think it is, I would implore you. Uh, you know, I gave you those examples. I would I would recommend that, or I would, I would try to appeal to uh, that kind of sense and, and kind of show you that that is not the case in fact, but I can only give you the information as I see it. You have to make your own decisions at the end of the day, just like the one you made to listen to Locked On Commanders for your first listener view of the day. And I greatly appreciate you for your second listen or view. Check out Locked On NFL Scouting with the draft dudes from free agency to draft salary cap management and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the draft dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. I will be back tomorrow looking at some draft prospects with big chances to do great things in the NFL or they can fizzle out and do just about nothing. That and more coming up on our next episode. So if you want to get in on the fun, send me your thoughts on all the news and submit your questions for future mailbag episodes via email to LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com or on Twitter or text me anytime at 202-760-2644. Signing off for today, I'm David Harrison, staff writer for Commander Country, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. Find me there, find me here, or on Twitter at dharrison82. Until we speak again, if you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, and I'll see you next time right back here for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.